When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome, everybody, back to the PHLY Sixers postgame show. I'm Derek Bodner, joined by a new co-host here in Renee Washington. How you doing, Renee? I'm great. I'm happy to be here, happy to talk about uh, the Sixers, especially in a nice win over the sun. So happy to have this opportunity to join you and Kyle today. Yeah, you know, one of the great things about PHLY is we have a very deep bullpen. And <laughs> unlike Craig Kimball, whenever we need someone, we can go into someone who is going to knock it out of the Well, I guess with Craig is going to knock it out of the park, but in a bad way. You will do yeah. it in a good way. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I hope I'm not bringing any Craig Kimball vibes no, on the no, show no, today. No, no. Good Lord. I like thinking of myself more as a Kelly Oubre <laughs> yes. addition to the squad versus a Craig. Uh, but Kelly yes. steps up, has a couple of huge performances in a starting role. You will do the same. This one here from Kelly, 25 points, and they really needed it. Uh, he has been playing fantastic basketball. I'm sure we will get to that here in a second. This one, a 112 to 100 win over the Phoenix Suns. Now, the, Phoenix, the Suns were without a couple of, you know, key players here. Um, Key Devin Booker was out here. Uh, Bradley Beal has not played yet this season, so it was not the full squad Phoenix Suns, but it was still a Kevin Durant-led Phoenix squad, Phoenix Suns squad. Yeah. And to be able to come away from that win, you know, have Embiid rest the entire fourth quarter, still outscore them by seven, uh, that was a real nice team win. And I feel like you know we just had a podcast the other day on Thursday where he said, look, maybe Joe and Maxie weren't great. Maxie was really good to hear down the stretch in this one, but not a great overall performance. And yet they're still finding ways to win. And, you know, the previous three wins, you had two wins against the Raptors. Um, you had a, a Portland team that's rebuilding. Even without some star power, this is still a very, very good win for the team. Listen, a win is a win. And I am one that always is more about focus on how a team is winning and as you talk about the Sixers definitely you saw a sloppy game at times obviously not a great game in terms of turnovers and I, I think it was 15 is what they ended up with but they forced steals they they made great plays they were able to run the floor and transition well and also different guys were able to get going now the bench production early on was something that was a concern for me that it took mm -hmm. until the fourth quarter before we saw a single bench point so there's there's always something that needs to be tweaked but that's why it's the early part of the season and we we would not expect to see the Sixers in full, you know, late season form at this point. But even without Bradley Beal, without Devin Booker, the Suns still have obviously Kevin Durant, uh, Nurkic, who played very well and still a tough team to beat. So happy that they got the win. Happy to see you guys in the chat. Also, Marshall Lynch, yes, clap your hands. We're singing because the Sixers won. Um, and I know people are saying, I know Dave said, I wish Booker and Beal played. Yeah, you'd love to see that test early yeah. in the season of what the Sixers look like against the Suns. At 100%. But even if Book was out there, we saw him the other night versus Spurs, he's not 100% off that ankle sprain. Yep. Nobody really is in full in-season shape mode right now, <laughs> health at all. So just happy that the Sixers get four straight. That's huge for how you start off this season. Well, don't worry. You've got two games against <laughs> Boston coming up here cool. very soon. You will get tested. Don't worry. It is good that they're banking some of these wins. Four straight win, four and one on the season after a one-point loss to the Bucs. Uh, so really, it is tough to complain. I'm sure, don't worry, I will find something <laughs> to complain about. That's what I do. But a lot of good stuff here going on. And I think we have to start with Kelly Oubre. Yes. 25 points, 10 for 18 shooting, 3 for 7 from 3, 3 rebounds, um, a block shot. And I think one of the most surprising things to me, and we talked about this a little bit before the show, 
everything about Kelly so far has been surprising. Mm -hmm. We can look at the points, 25 points. Great. They need that. Um, especially because, you know, Tobias got into some early foul trouble. You're yes. worried about what you're going to be able to get from him. I mean, he picked up two fouls in the first two minutes of the game. He ended up giving them a huge lift and staying in the game. Mm -hmm. uh, but you were worried that you were going to need more from Kelly and he delivered. Um, and he's been playing great defense. You know, the Sixers ended up holding the Suns to 36% from the field, 25% from three. Uh, he is a part of that and a bigger part of that than I think I would have guessed. Uh, but he's giving you all around contributions in a way and consistent all around contributions. This is, you know, he's coming into this one averaging 20 points per game, dropped 25 yes. tonight. He's given you 20 plus in three out of five games and two straight as a starter. He's just been fantastic. And I was hard on him earlier in the season. I said mm -hmm. it was a good signing because it was a minimum, but he did not have my expectations high. Needless to say, he has blown away my expectations, and the consistency is just stunning. Yeah. Just absolutely stunning. It is. It is. And you guys, make sure in the chat you're dropping your thoughts. I know uh, Dan's saying, Kelly, Ubre, bam. Make sure you're dropping in the chat your thoughts, hitting that like button, joining the conversation with Derek and I. Of course, Kyle will be joining us later. But as you mentioned, it's been a great start for Kelly Ubre, without a doubt. Uh, 17 first-half points, the second straight game of scoring 20 or more, and that marks the third time in, in the five games this season that he's had a 20-plus 20, 20 points. Kelly Ubre, right now, we really weren't sure coming in what we were going to get from him. I remember even when everything when the news broke that he was joining the Sixers, I was like, yes, I think. I don't know what this means. And Uber has been a question mark. Uh, looking at his career from the Wizards to the Warriors to Charlotte to even the time, of course, he was at Phoenix. He's had a very all-over-the-place type of a career, yeah. and you weren't sure which Kelly Oubre you were going to get. And we talked yeah. about this before the show. We know offensively what he can bring, but without a doubt, on the defensive side, the consistency – you know, as a mature veteran, you weren't sure what you were going to get from him. So a great start for Kelly Oubre because he's been out to prove something. That's what he keeps talking about. That's what we keep hearing. Kelly Oubre is very determined to show that some teams, that teams made a mistake on not picking him up and that he's in a, in a spot now where he feels like he can thrive and be the best possible addition for the Sixers. So I love the fact that he's come in and been able to help produce offensively, but the defensive side, the hustling, those intangibles, that's also what I like about what I've seen from Kelly Oubre so far. And I hope it just continues. I think that's the biggest thing. It's yeah. only five games in. Look, he, <laughs> you know, he, he's had his ups and downs as a shooter. Three for seven today. I almost said tonight. It's going to be a struggle not to say tonight. I'm very accustomed to saying tonight. It is weird that tonight. it's a one o'clock start. Yeah. It's weird to be talking basketball this early in the day. Three of seven today. He was, you know, did have that stretch where a two-game stretch where he shot 0 for 10 from three. That three-pointer is going to be up and down. He's done a good job attacking off the dribble. That's helped alleviate some of those concerns over the streakiness of the outside shot. But he's a career 32% shooter, something around that mark. He is going to be streaky from the perimeter. But what's just blown me away, and maybe this is a combination of Nick Nurse, maybe this is knowing that he's going to have to fight for his minutes, maybe this is being humbled after scoring 20 points per game and getting a minimum contract, his defense, night in, night out, look, the decision-making's not going to be perfect, mm -hmm. in part because Nick Nurse <clears throat> has him playing so aggressively. With aggression comes mistakes, but the effort has been so consistently there. And again, Tobias Harris picked up two quick fouls, and he was our primary defender early on against Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant's a pretty tough matchup. And I don't want to say Kelly Oubre shut him down, because I think part of the, you know, of, of Durant having an off night, a relatively off night, is just he missed some shots he would have made. Mm -hmm. But he came in and he competed and he gave them another big athletic body to throw at him. And in a night where Tobias, that early foul trouble could have hurt you because of Oubre, and because Tobias was able to play through that early foul trouble, uh, it did not. Yeah, it's wild because I remember saying Kevin Durant feels like he's having a quiet game and he finished with 31 points. That's Kevin Durant for you. That he's a quiet game for him is still a 31-point production. But as you mentioned, Oubre as well as Harris pick up a pair of fouls early on. And then from there on, you saw Kelly Oubre make an adjustment. That third foul didn't come until the third quarter. Played much smarter. Wasn't as, you know, reaching as much or, you know, playing as aggressive defensively, but playing smarter defensively. And for anybody that's watched me as I host the Philly show and the Union show, one thing I'm very big on is adjustments. And work ethic. I think talent in professional sports, everybody's got yep. talent. That's why you're there. But it's the adjustments. It's the ability to tweak how you're playing depending on what the game dictates. And for Kelly Oubre specifically, you talk about missing threes. Okay, now he's driving in the basket. Now as you get your confidence going, you're feeling good with the ball in your hands, you're now taking some more shots. You're now, you know, you're, the game's coming to you instead of you forcing it and trying to force shots. And I thought Kelly Oubre did a good job offensively with that as well as making the adjustment not to give up fouls uh, because he just started playing smarter. 
So this is these are the small things we're, we're keeping an eye on, on how Ubre as well as the Sixers, can make those tweaks. Yeah, and you brought up Tobias not picking his third foul up until later. And I was really frustrated him at the beginning because he gets two pretty bad fouls. One yeah. reaching on Durant where you weren't going to really affect his shot anyway. The other one, an offensive foul where he pushes, you know, throws an elbow into someone to create space. And you need Tobias, and for him to come out and pick up those two fouls, it was potentially a real pivot point in that game. And for him to dial it back, still find a way to contribute offensively. I mean, he was started off, I think, four for six. He was real good offensively. And to not pick up any more cheap fouls and be able to keep himself in the game, that was huge. Uh, and I thought Tobias, uh, he's he's maybe not getting the attention that Kelly is just because mm -hmm. we didn't expect much out of Kelly, and he's come in, and he's entertaining, and he has that flair, and he's given us consistency that we didn't expect. Tobias, night in, night out, like, what's he shooting on the season? Like, 64%, something absurd like that? Uh, he's just giving you 20 points or right about there every night. You know, and tonight he came in here 18 and 10, gave you good defense, mm -hmm. 7 of 10 from the field. He has just been a very consistent player and somebody who's probably a little bit overlooked just because we had the first couple of games where Maxi was electric. We had the Kelly Oubre experience, which we weren't expecting. But Tobias has been a, a consistent contributor in a way that is really impressive yeah yeah and i know papa's papa's you're talking about the excitement over the early start i'm not only excited about the early start i'm excited we have plenty of time while the sun is still up to talk about this and we can go to dinner we can have dinner after this well not together but we have our respective dinner after this and feel good about it because it was a great performance for the sixers and when you talk about tobias harris specifically to me this feels like a really huge opportunity for Tobias that he's turning a corner. Yeah. And it's crazy to say that because Tobias is not a, a new, new kid on the block. He's been around the league. But when you look at what he did with the Clippers and ever since he started with the Sixers way back in 2019, he was very up and down. Granted, only five games into the season. I'm not one to throw everything and be all excited early, this early on. But I am thrilled that at least he's averaging over 20 points per game, five rebounds. And you're just seeing Tobias more. There were times I, I remember watching in the past, especially last season, that you were kind of like, where is Tobias? Tobias Harris and we know he has the ability with his size with his way he attacks the basket with the way he can move off the ball to really be that complimentary threat and we're seeing that now he's getting the ball more as he's going towards the basket instead of just stagnant his movement in general has been such a huge lift but also the confidence and how he's attacking the basket so I love the fact that Tobias Harris you talk about making the adjustment but also the way he's adding as a presence that it's Joel, Tyrese, Tobias, Kelly, we're consistently seeing them produce. And I think Nick Nurse is a huge part of that and a huge testament to how he's coaching this group that they now are playing more free-flowing. Yep. It just seems like there's less thinking out there. Like, it's just, you're just playing good basketball. They're working together as a team. They're moving the ball well. We're not seeing times where the ball is just stopping. And I know we've seen that in the past with the Sixers, especially where the offense stops and it's just it's stationary, it's stagnant, it's 20 dribbles before we see anything. But now they're swinging the ball well, they're attacking well, and they're doing a good job just with their movement as a whole, which is what's helping someone like Tobias get going. Yeah, no, I think I think that's a good point with Tobias because he, you know, he's been very underutilized as just a catch-and-shoot player. He's not really comfortable launching a high volume of threes. And to get him out in transition, to get him cutting, to get him into some early offense against an unset defense or be able to attack mismatches, I think it's just opened up a level of his game. And look, Tobias is going to be one of those players where it's great that he's playing well and it's great that he's making quick decisions. I need to see him make quick decisions after he struggles. When he goes one for 10 from three, mm. will he launch that 11-3? Not necessarily in a game, but over a span. He is a player who once he gets out of rhythm, once he loses confidence, it can change how he plays. And so far, he has not met that adversity. That being said... I do think what Nick is trying to do will benefit him because, like you said, he is getting that space. He is getting early offense, and I think he needs that. Yeah, he does. And it's good at this point in the season to get – your starters, especially your top guys, feeling good about themselves. Obviously, there's been so many changes across the Sixers roster, and it takes time to get that chemistry going. So the best way to do that is by sharing the ball, allowing their offense to move more fluidly, allowing even the rotations. I know it wasn't until Furcon's layup in the fourth quarter that the bench scored, but the bench was still contributing. You know, bench points is such an odd stat. It's physically who is scoring, but they were at least contributing. Yeah. It wasn't like they were out there laying an egg and not yep. impacting the game at all. You saw everybody from the five starters to those that came into the game playing well, Paul Reed defensively, whatever it is, finding their moments. So I like the fact that you can see this group, which has kind of an underdog mentality because 
myself included, people aren't really giving them the highest expectations, especially looking around the Eastern Conference alone. And they can now just go into games with less pressure and just focusing on getting their team rolling as a unit. Yep. And you can see that progression, even from the Raptors game to this game, you can see a progression with each outing. Yep. I want to address one thing from Philly fans here in the chat saying that uh, Ubre has never played on a real team before. And Philly, Philly fans has gone at me a little bit for my Ubre opinion. <laughs> that's all right. He and I go back for and legitimately well over a decade, so I get where he's coming from. Um, Ubre, like the, the Golden State team he played on was a good team. It wasn't a great team. It was one of their down years. But it was certainly in a system where he could have thrived and he didn't. Yeah. And you can get on me for my opinion. I have not run back from, like, I've, I bring up every time Uber has a good game that, hey, I was really critical of this signing. I'm not walking that back at all. And if he tells, if he shows me I'm wrong, I'm, like I said, I've said this many times, I'm more than happy to be wrong on a player eval. First of all, after covering the draft for a number of years, you have to get comfortable with being wrong. It's going to happen all the oh, time. Yeah. And if he proves that I was wrong in a good way, I will be more than happy because good basketball is better to watch than bad basketball. Yeah, and I know uh, someone's asking, Dan, you're asking about what was what he was on on Golden State. I mean, that was back in 2020 that he was playing Golden State. You look at his time with the Wizards, he was... No, he's been on really bad teams. He's been on really, he has yeah. been on really bad teams. I mean, he was he was with the, the Wizards back 2015, yep. 2019, Phoenix in 2018 and 2020, the Warriors in 2020. He has, I mean, even Charlotte was a middle of the bottom, bottom middle team. Um, but the thing about Kelly Oubre is you look at his individual performance and without a doubt, it's helpful to have better guys around you. But Kelly Oubre notoriously has been a very up and down streaky yep. player. And if anybody's watched him over his career, he's a guy that can give you 20 points one night and then be a non-factor the other night. And as we talk about with players, there's so many ups and downs, so many factors, injuries, who they're playing with, coaching, um, even just the amount of minutes that they're playing, load management. There's a lot of different aspects that will impact a, a player's, you know, how they're, how they're coming into each game. And Kelly Oubre has been a guy that we've seen sometimes make some boneheaded decisions, sometimes be really good. And so, so he's been very up and yeah, down. Yeah, and look, my opinion doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. Yeah. This is a guy who averaged 20 points per game and got a minimum contract. The GM's opinion speaks much more loudly than mine does. If Kelly takes that as a wake-up call, pays more attention to the details, is more focused defensively, cuts out some of the bad shots from his diet, mm -hmm. he has a chance to make a lot more money next year. I think that might have been a bit of a wake-up call. Uh, and so far, he has taken that to heart and done what he needs to do, and, and props to him for that. Yeah, and Kelly Oubre at 27 years old uh, is still in a... In, the prime of his career in that sense where he's still learning. And I absolutely feel like the last couple months have been that wake up call as we yeah. talked about before, even the, before the show began that wake up call that he needed because he was surprised at the fact that teams weren't jumping to try to sign him and bring them to their, to their roster. And Kelly Uber is a guy that's been around the league long enough to know he is a talented player, yeah. but you need more than that. You need a guy that's going to, when he's on the floor, the offense is going to keep running and he's going to play good defense. He's going to hustle. And Kelly Uber now, has been doing that consistently with the Sixers in the first five games and hopefully that continues that's I mean honestly the biggest thing that we've we can only go by what we've seen and yep. so far to start for the Sixers Kelly Uber has been a stronger and more mature I keep using that term because I just feel like there were times I was like Ubre really in the past where this season I don't have those moments anymore I'm, I'm excited for Kelly Ubre. I'm cheering I'm seeing him making these highlight plays he's driving the bats he's getting alley-oops I mean this is the Kelly Ubre that we should see day in and day out and I hope that within the Sixers organization, they can help him continue to thrive and feed off of that instead of us seeing this random change in him turn back into a pumpkin, as we talked about, which we don't want that to happen. Agreed. <laughs> All right. A couple quick words from the sponsors so we can pay the bills. First up, <laughs> we have Shady Rays. Gear up for the season ahead with quality shades built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered with premium polarized shades and quick swap snow goggles. That won't break the bank. We have a, a little bit of a running bit here. Well, if we can get up to a certain number of subscribers, I'm going to try to get Kyle on the slopes with Shady Rays. Kyle oh. has never done any snowboarding or skiing. I really hope that can happen. So <laughs> hit that subscribe button and maybe I like that, that challenge. I just saw a thumbs up. Make sure you're liking, subscribing. Yep. Let's get Kyle on the slopes. I like it. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers an unrivaled product that's just as good as any expensive pair we've worn. Durable frames and world-class optics for all outdoor adventures. And if you're into winter sports, their quick-swap snow lenses switch easily from full sun to low light. Don't let changing light conditions slow you down on the slopes when all you need is Shady Rays snow goggles. 
That's not all. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost or broken replacements. If you lose or break a pair, even on day one, they told us they will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back long after your, pur- long after your purchase. Shady Rays is also committed to making a difference in communities across the United States through their impact program, teaming up with nonprofits to help people live healthy, courageous lives through some of the most challenging times. If you don't love your Shady Rays, exchange for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop. Their team always has your back with personal and fast support. Exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out an amazing deal for the season. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code PHLY for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. Yeah, and while we're at it, let me tell you guys about Soul Savvy. For all of you guys that are sneakerheads, or maybe you're the casual sneakerhead, Soul Savvy is the spot where you can buy and stay up to date on all the great things that are happening around shoe launches. So over at Soul Savvy, our friends allow you to be able to check out, so that way you don't have to miss any releases, you don't have to miss any deals. And with their app, the Soul Savvy Drops app, you're able to... Get notified as things are come as new shoes are coming out. You're able to stay up to date on any great prices, any releases. You also have the free raffle management, which allows you to keep track of all raffles that are happening. And with the release calendar specifically, you have an accurate release calendar. That's important too, so that you're updated on all the releases that are coming. And now, as you're gearing up for the holiday season, looking for presents to buy people, or maybe you're going out to Wells Fargo looking to rock some of your best sneaks. Well, So Savvy Drops app is a place to buy it. So head on over to soulsavvy.com slash P-H-O-Y or you can go to the app store and download the Drops by Soul Savvy app and that way as you sign up for Soul Savvy you're going to get all the latest the greatest and have an awesome experience shopping for your sneakers the casual the sneakerheads the in-betweens and again you can sign up for Soul Savvy by clicking the link in our description going over to soulsavvy.com slash P-H-O-Y or using the Drops by Soul app, Savvy app. It is also on your screen for those of you that are tuning in to us live on YouTube. If you are missing us live and are listening back across podcast platforms, don't worry, we've got you covered because again, there's a lot of spots that you can be able to check out Soul Savvy. All right, Derek. So we're feeling good today. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm feeling good. I, I mean, I was writing down and just some notes of like initial thoughts that I have um, and just looking at this this game as a whole. A lot of people that I'm that I'm high off of that I thought did a very good job. High in a good way, of course. High not in a in, inappropriate way. Um, but I, look I mean, it's appropriate <laughs> if you live in New Jersey. That's fine. That's fine. I'm a Jersey girl. Who knows? Who knows, guys? But right now on a Saturday afternoon, no, I am not high in that way. High in a great way because I, I love the fact that the Sixers in this early going with all the chaos that's been going on leading up to even the start of the season, everything from James Harden to having new faces to then of course the trade happens. And now you're bringing in Rob Covington and a whole bunch of Mm -hmm. new guys that this easily could have been an opportunity for the Sixers to just come out and lay an egg. And instead in their first five games, the one game they lost that one point loss to Milwaukee where Mm -hmm. Dame has a historic first game with Milwaukee and you drop it by one, and then you go on to win four. And now I know against the Raptors specifically, the Sixers have had a success. They've won the last five straight against Toronto. But still, a win is a win is a win. And this is a team that's grinding out wins. We've seen a lot of great performances. But on the other side, we have unfortunately seen some guys that have been struggling a little bit more and maybe haven't been playing as mm-hmm. well. And I'm, I'm going to let you highlight them first because I know you've got a couple names that you want to dig into. Yeah, I mean, look – D'Anthony has just been a huge disappointment to start the year. And on the one hand, it is, you know, he's had some makeable shots that he's missed. Uh, what did he end up here tonight? He ended up shooting three for 10 from the field, two for seven from three. It is almost even more frustrating because they're tasking him with running so much of the offense with Maxi out. And that's really, really been a struggle. You know, Maxi was a plus 25 here in a 12 point win. Uh, that included a stretch in the fourth quarter where the Sixers outscored the Suns by seven without Joel. But the you know, if you do the math there, then they were a negative 13 in like 12 minutes without Maxi on the floor today. Mm. And the numbers haven't always been that stark, but the struggles I think have been. The um, D'Anthony Melton, Patrick Beverly combination has just not gotten them into any kind of meaningful offense. They need to figure out how to get that going. And also he just hasn't made enough shots or finished enough around the rim, but we kind of expect the second part there 
to really add value offensively alongside of the starting lineup. So he has been a huge <coughs> disappointment. And sort of in a similar way, Jaden Springer just, like, I, we talked a lot about Jaden Springer in the preseason. He looked really comfortable on the court on both sides for the first time in his NBA career. He has not looked comfortable here offensively to start. It just seemed like his decision-making was slow. His movement was slow. Whenever he got the ball, he saw a crowd and didn't know how to get out of it. He just he got trapped a number of times offensively, and I still believe in him as a defensive prospect. I think he still might be the Sixers' best perimeter defender. The way he can slide his feet on the perimeter, uh, the way he has the strength to defend multiple positions, I want to see him be able to stay on the court, but I've been concerned because his offensive game just doesn't look like it's ready to uh, to make the most of it. Yeah, you bring up some valid concerns because as much as we are thrilled with how Kelly Oubre has been in the mix and how Tobias Harris and Tyrese Maxey have been stepping up and, of course, Joel Embiid being reigning MVP Joel Embiid, when you look at the next tier of guys, it's it's been some question marks. I know somebody in the chat was saying it earlier, too, about Melton, and, and as you talk about, not a great start. He's, he's the guy, he's in the starting lineup right now, but he's also in the, with that second unit at times and someone that you're expecting to help run the offense, help score and offensively hasn't been a, hasn't been good. I did see a couple of plays on the defensive side that stood out that I was like, okay, Melton, that's a great block. That's a great, a great play. But offensively to have, you know, you're averaging seven points um, so far. It, it's, it's, you just need more. And I think the, the bigger thing besides just the shot, the fact he's not scoring is how he's missing. And yeah. there's a couple that come to mind where he dro he drove to the basket. I think it was in the third quarter, drove to the basket. It was kind of a soft drive, gets his shot blocked, but you didn't really see a strong move from him. He just kind of is going through the motions at times offensively. And you see that hesitancy in his play. And on the other side for Springer, it's also hesitancy in a different way where there was one time I know he caught the ball in the perimeter and just stood there. I'm like, dribble, do something, yeah. move. He just seems a little starstruck and frozen at times where he doesn't know what to do. So if this is your second unit of, of guys that you're going to be going to, we know Joel Embiid's not going to be able to play every game. Nobody is. You know you're going to need when Tobias Harris or Tyrese or Kelly's not scoring production from someone else. Furkan did well in the last outing. Furkan is going to give you what Furkan's going to give you. Who is it from that group that you're expecting to step up? Because right now it's just been very much of a drop-off and that is what's the concern to me because it's such a long season you need to be able to rely on your second unit to at least get points you can't have a drop-off where now the game swings and the Suns are going on a 6-0 run 8-0 run and you have gone scoreless you need them to at least maintain and yeah. that's where today we saw the up and down of going up by 15 and now it's a two-point game again going up by 17 and now it's a three-point game again so Pat Bev was also one to me that actually, when you talk about struggles, his first touches on the court were not good at all. He came out, missed a three, I think it was like an air ball. Then he turned around and got a turnover. And, and that's how you start the game off. Your guys, your reserves have to be ready to step on the court and make plays. Paul yeah. Reed does it, but you're not seeing it. Furkan, Pat, Jaden, DeAnthony, you're not seeing it from them. So I, I couldn't agree with you more that it's, it's a little frustrating right now that they haven't figured out a little bit more of a groove in this early part of the season. Yeah, and I think, you know, I, I with Melton, I have confidence he'll eventually get back to where he was in the past. Like, sure. I don't think he's going to take a huge leap, although I do think his defense should end up being a little more valuable with Nick. Um, maybe that means he goes back to the bench when maybe Batum rejoins the team. I know Nick Nurse in the past has said um, earlier this week that he probably envisioned sending Kelly back to the bench because he wants that instant offense there. Maybe mm -hmm. he you know, reevaluates that given how much Melton is struggling, but you might end up seeing maybe Batum, I think is, is of the recent acquisitions and most likely to jump in a starting lineup. Maybe he jumps in for Melton instead of Ubre. but I would still like to see, and I know he's really struggled and it's disappointed me. I would still like to see Springer get some occasional spot minutes, just to see if yeah. he can get this sort of like deer in the headlights look out of him, because I do think that defense is legitimate. I don't want to bury him right now. And I'm a little worried because, you know, you've got Covington. He played, what did Covington play? Like, 15 minutes maybe here. Yeah, tonight, he ended up with 18 minutes. With Covington sort of <clears throat> assuming a larger role, Batum coming back, maybe they want to end up giving K.J. Martin a look, although I think K.J. Martin has some of the similar problems that uh, Springer does, and I think Springer is a better defender, but Martin's a little more polished offensively. Mm -hmm. There's differences for sure, but in terms of their growth, like I think they're probably going to want to give K.J. a look as well. 
I'm a little worried that Springer is going to get buried. Um, and right now he might deserve that. I just, I, I would like to see more because I do think that defense is so legitimate and really unique on this team, but he's got to actually provide value on the floor. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're four, you're stop, your top four guys, excuse me, combined for 91 of the 112 points. After that, the next highest score, and that was obviously Kelly, Tobias, Joel, and Tyrese, for anybody that wasn't sure where I got that number from. After that, D'Anthony has eight points. You've got Rob Covington, who had two points in his 18 minutes. I expect a learning curve for Rob, of course. Um, even if it is coming back to a team he played with before, it's still a different unit. It's still time to adjust. Furkan with five points. All in the fourth quarter, these points are yep. happening, by the way. Um, Jaden with two points. Paul Reed with four points. So you do need production. It cannot just come from the top four guys. It's great that they're gelling and playing well together. But, yeah, it without a doubt is is – Seeming like Jaden specifically looks like a deer in the headlights. He, I, there's no, it's his last name is Springer, but there's no spring to his game right now. He's playing very much like the offense is stopping with him. He right. doesn't know what to do. The ball, he's on the, he's on the wing, catching it, dribbling, stopping, and then just kind of looking around. And and there were just some plays, and I'm, I'm like, wow, you are playing very young, which I get it, you are young, but you're you're on the floor. You know what I mean? In the ten minutes that he was out there. To only, uh, you know, have – he attempted four shots, finished with those two points. Uh, just there was no production. There was no value that he had on the floor. So I'd like to see him figure out a way to get going. But the hard part is if you're going to be out there playing that way where the offense stops with you and you're indecisive, the game is not the spot for those minutes to happen. I mean, in practice, hopefully it, it, it can happen. But – yeah, he, without a doubt, uh, we need more from him. Of course, we haven't even seen some guys. I know you guys keep asking about Marcus Morris in the chat. We saw Marcus getting interviewed. Yeah. That's it. Uh, but we haven't seen him on the floor yet. He, he's here. He went through some five-on-five five at practice yesterday. Nick Nurse feels like he still needs to be ramped up. He really didn't play much in the preseason with the Clippers. He wasn't playing earlier in the season. Uh, so I think Nick just needs to see more, uh, get a better gauge of his conditioning. But if I'm being honest, Marcus Morris is pretty... I think he's might be past his expiration date a little bit here. I'm not sure how much he has left in the tank. I think he's mostly here to be that $17.1 million expiring contract for the yeah. next trade at the deadline. Yeah. Um, I think I think if you're looking for contributors, it's Covington and it's Batum out of that four. Bingo, bingo. Of course, Nick Batum has been uh, you know dealing with personal issues himself. He's the one that I'm I'm expecting we'll be able to contribute a little bit more. We know what Rob Covington's going to give on both ends of the floor, but KJ Martin and Marcus Morris aren't guys that you're looking at coming in and making right. an impact in any stretch of aside from just being, you know, for Marcus, maybe that third guy in, in uh, for the, for the bigs, but we know what we're going to get from Marcus Morris. He's definitely past his prime. He's more of a veteran and he's more of a placeholder for now. And for the, you know, just to be able to go out and give you a couple minutes here and there. But he's not someone that's going to drastically impact the game. Uh, he will have those moments where you'll have a great game from Mars. But on a consistent day in, day out, it's it's Rob Covington, it's Nick Batum that are definitely going to be the ones in this in this trade that will help, for sure. Agreed. Agreed. Well, I don't know about you, but, uh, you know, I, I definitely feel like Five games has me very positive, but nervous at the same time because it's a long season and I'm going to stick with the optimistic train, unfortunately, um, especially with just how I might, you know, in covering the Phillies, the union, aside from uh, the Eagles, I'm, I, I struggle with being optimistic at times with the rest of the Philly sports teams right now. But the Sixers have me optimistic. I'm, I'm excited. I'm thrilled. And I'm hoping that this will continue. Um, I'm trying to see what other notes I had specifically around the game. But Derek, I mean, we're, we're slowly seeing things come together for the Sixers. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it is. It, they're playing much better. They're playing more consistent. I think Nick Nurse has felt his imprint. And we'll probably get into that here in the next segment. Uh, and I think that there's just an energy around the team, both literally on the court with the style that they're playing and also among the fan base that a month ago, I wasn't sure was going to be there. Uh, so it has been a, a great start to the season for sure. It has been. And if you're looking to buy some tickets because you want to go check out some other games this season, you can go over to the game time app to do that because we're just five games in. There's so much basketball left to be played from regular season games to the in-season tournament. If you want to go out to watch any other sports, game time app has you covered games, concerts, any sort of events you can go to. And when you download the app and use that code PHOY, again, for those listening across podcasts, 
podcast platforms. It's code P-H-L-Y. We're very consistent with our codes. It's always P-H-L-Y. And with that, you get $20 off of your purchase. They have great prices. They make it very easy. It's convenient. Plus, you also have the opportunity to check out your seats for where you're going to be sitting in the, in the arena, in the stadium, at the concert, wherever it is that you're going, using the Game Time app. So hopefully you guys can get some opportunities to buy some tickets, get down to the Wells Fargo Center, cheer on the Sixers because uh, there's plenty of games you can go to and Game Time app is the place to buy those tickets. All right. So I think, you know, we've had a bunch of people here on to talk about the Sixers in their short five games between myself, Kyle, Rich. I'd love to get your take because the teams look so different than the teams we've seen over the previous couple of years. Part of that obviously comes down to a, a pretty significant change in the personnel, especially on the mm-hmm. bench. Uh, four starters obviously remain, but the bench has been reshuffled. But a lot of that comes down to Nick Nurse. So I guess just overall your thoughts on Nick, the imprint he's had on the team, stylistically what he's changed, <clears throat> and uh, how different they look. Yeah, I you know what? I'm a huge Nick Nurse fan. Um, you know, I was, I've always been very encouraged by the way that he can help his teams, whether it was Toronto winning a championship or whoever he's coached, whatever players he has, he brings out the best of them. And as a head coach in professional sports, to me, that says a lot about you, that you are a good locker room guy that allows the guys to feel like they can be comfortable. They can play at their best. They can, you know, add and contribute in some ways. And from Nick Nurse already in the first five games, what I've seen is the rotation has been very good. I feel like at times in the past with Doc Rivers or whichever other coach you talk about Brett Brown whoever it was the Sixers were mismanaged in that you'd see a run go off uh, by the opponent and no changes made timeout not called or the lineup that's on the floor is struggling to score and that lineup stays out there for in my opinion too many minutes and Nick Nurse is very good about managing of the bat it's a balance you don't want to have the quick hook because you don't want guys feeling like anytime they make a mistake they're going to be pulled but you also want to have that standard that We expect you to step on the court and make an impact. And if you're not doing that, we're going to make an adjustment. So I like the fact that Nick is making quick adjustments. But I also like the fact that he's getting this offense really going. Something that we've seen, and last year especially with Joel Embiid and James Harden at times, the ball would just stop. Joel Embiid, top of the key, ball stops. Ball gets swung to James Harden and stops. And with Nick Nurse, we're seeing the Sixers do a good job of swinging the ball, finding the open man, having that confidence to drive in and go in transition. And they just seem like they're playing a lot more freely. So, so far I've been a huge fan of what Nick nurse has brought to the organization. And I think this Sixers group is definitely looking better than many would have expected, especially five games in not just the fact of who they're beating, but how they're beating them in the ways that they're winning as a team. It's not just Joel Embiid carrying them with, you know, 35 points and everybody else scrapping along, you're seeing the best of Tyrese Max we've ever seen, where he's playing controlled, still with that same speed, driving well to the basket, dishing well. We're seeing Tobias Harris play his best basketball after averaging 14 points last season, now already averaging 20 points per game so far. Kelly Oubre, another one, obviously, as we talked about, playing playing his best consistent basketball. So I love that Nick has come right in and instilled this mentality, this culture that's allowing everybody to play and contribute, rotating them, getting them involved early, and they're playing some great basketball right now. Yeah, I mean, for me, the two most shocking things, and I think we certainly expect defensively them to be much more active, much more willing to, you know, double down on, you know, guys driving the basket, try to get into those, you know, their hands into the driving lanes um, and try to react. And that always comes with a little bit of downside and the fact that you're going to give up a lot of open threes, especially in the corners where a lot of teams try to deny it. But that leads to more transition opportunities. Uh, that leads to more turnovers. It leads to winning the possession battle. It leads to a lot of benefits. And I think when you look at this team from last year, you know, last year's squad probably wasn't equipped to play this style, especially mm-hmm. with someone like George Niang uh, and whatnot in the rotation. This year's team has done a much better job of that. And yeah, I give Nick a lot of credit for changing that. Um, and again, it's a little bit more difficult with Joel because you don't necessarily know how aggressive you want to be. Uh, but he has done a good job of finding that balancing act and offensively just the cutting like this team Oof. almost never cut in the past. And you can go back even to Brett Brown. Brett Brown did not want to, he wanted Joel Embiid, especially early career Joel Embiid to know exactly where his outlets were. So that when he was doubled, he knew where to look. And I think, Doc maybe was a little slow on adjusting away from that. They certainly cut a little bit more than he did on a Brett, but probably not enough. 
And lately, it's just you've seen Kelly Oubre, you've seen Tobias Harris get a lot of cheap, easy baskets. And because of that, teams are a little more scared, a little less willing to abandon the weak side corner, to give Joel Embiid some of the double teams that have frustrated him in the past. And it's made both, you know, Oubre and Tobias's life easier and also Joel's life easier. And it's just, it seems like it might be the right coach for the right time of Joel Embiid's career. Mm -hmm. And it's been much more fun to watch. I mean, how many times did we see the Sixers with all five of their guys standing around the three-point line and just passing mm -hmm. around, nobody cutting? You have to unbalance your opponent's defense by at least getting some sort of presence in the paint. You know, you, when your offense is running and you've got guys slashing to the basket, and also now you're finishing at the rim. Instead of all the offensive looks coming from the perimeter and forcing shots, one of the things that I've noticed that have jumped out at me is the shot selection is so much better. And you're seeing guys catching the ball, they're shooting in rhythm, their feet are set. It's not forced. It's not this over everybody wants to jack up threes. You're, it's a much better variety in, in how they're even attacking. And I think, though, out of all these tactical changes, the biggest thing that I've noticed that I really love is the effort. How many times did we see in the past when the Sixers were playing and you just felt like there was no energy, there was no life, yeah. they were kind of just going through the motions. And I know we said there are some guys still struggling, and they are, but as a whole unit collectively, you're seeing the hustle on defense. You're seeing them running up and down the floor. You're seeing them, like you said, sticking a hand in, trying to just disrupt as the Suns are driving to the basket. And although I know people are saying, you know, lesser opponents, yeah, you just beat the Suns, though. And we saw a great game versus the Bucks. Yeah. So, yes, you can't look at this entire five game stretch of you know being too sold on them but we have seen more than we've seen in the past and that's why I'm looking forward to seeing okay against Boston against you know the upcoming games how does this continue in, in terms of what we've seen for effort the ball movement and the hustle especially on the defensive side yeah and I certainly think this is one area where um, you know the Sixers have a record number of players on an expiring contract mm -hmm. like legitimately you have Joel uh, signed for next year you have um, Jaden Springer signed for next year, and you have Paul Reed signed for next year, and that's pretty much it. So you have a lot of players who are on prove-it contracts or at the end and looking to get paid. And Good point. You still have to give Nick Nurse a lot of credit, obviously, but I think this is the, the – like you better have a team that is locked in effort-wise all year because they need it not only to win – uh, because they're going to have to generate some offense uh, to get out in transition because their half court could struggle, especially when Max is out of the game or even when Joe's out of the game. But they need it for the next contract too. And that could create the right sort of like sometimes with the wrong group or maybe the wrong coach that can create some selfish people, mm. uh, especially offensively. You might get players trying to prove more than they should and playing outside of their comfort zone to get that next contract. But you should, the flip side of that is you should also get very consistent effort defensively. And Nick has made the most of that. That is a really good point. I mean, that is where it's the management of, of players because it's having them understand the bigger picture. Because right. there have been times where you see that selfish, and not just with, I'm not talking about the Sixers specifically, in all sports, not even just the NBA, where you see those, those selfish tendencies because it's a contract year and guys are fighting for, you know, extensions and things. But this group seems like they're just playing very selfless team first basketball they're sharing the ball more and it's a lot a lot of minor adjustments that are going a long way that you already can tell the difference of which is why I, when i look at these first five games again only five games and even of course preseason which is different i do like the fact that there has been so much more from this group in terms of how they're attacking as a unit so yeah i i've I'm, I'm thrilled for what's going on here. Um, I know Ronald Albright, my, my name is Renee. Uh, you're talking about Kenyon Martin Jr. being more than ready to play, be a scorer. Uh, you know, I didn't say that he's not ready to play. I just said I don't think he's a guy that when you look at this trade, you're saying he's going to come in and now help the Sixers be the top team in the East. I'm going to be honest, <laughs> I'm not sure he's ready to play either. And a lot of that comes down to not only the fact that his jump shot is a little unrefined or a little inconsistent, but defensively, I think he has some work to do before he is ready to translate you know, that athleticism and that effort, like the efforts there yeah. into being a productive defensive player. Like there are reads, there's getting over screens that he's not making. There's communication that when I went back and watched the film, I wasn't super impressed with. Now he was playing for the Rockets. Right. That team wasn't ready to compete. You want to give him a look here in a new environment. I get that completely, but I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I'm confident he is ready to contribute at the level the Sixers need when they're trying to win a championship. I think that's a fair point. No, and I don't, I don't think he's... I think for Morris, much like Martin, I think they're in a similar boat. I don't think they're being brought into the Sixers to be guys that are you're expecting to 
carry the load and help offensively with scoring anything more than 10 points per game. I mean, K.J. Martin averaged 12 points with the Rockets in his last season, five in the couple of games with the Clippers. I'm not going to count that fully. Um because it's only two games that we're looking at, very small sample size. But he still has he still has a lot of work to do. And I'm he's not someone that I'm expecting to come into this roster and make an impact in the sense that what we see Kelly Oubre doing, for example. Same thing with Marcus Morris. I don't think he's going to be able to add the way that Nick Batum and Rob Covington can, but I think that they're going to be steady role players that when you need them to, to give you a good 10, 12 minutes, they're absolutely going to be able to give that. But these aren't guys that are coming in and now going to shake the roster up so much that you're going to have, you know, a, a a team that you can now say automatically is going to be a top team in the East. You know, they still have work to do. The Sixers as a whole still have work to do. And you can't look at this group and in the five games be any, think anything less. So I, I fully agree that Kenyon Martin, much like Marcus Morris, they're just going to come in and give you, you know, Jaden Spring can do the same thing, give you those kind of in-between minutes, just some solid reserve minutes. Yeah. No, I agree. And we have uh, one more break here coming up. But if you have any questions in the chat, got a lot of people here tuning in, be sure to drop them in the chat and we will try to get to some here maybe in the final segment if we have some free time. Before that, a quick word from our final sponsor today, FOCO. FOCO is a leading manufacturer of sports and entertainment merchandise with a product line that includes apparel, accessories, toys, collectibles, novelty items, and more. And again, we got to talk to them. We got to get Roco with Foco. I think that's something that has to happen. <laughs> I like that. It's the best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms. And with it being football and tailgating season, it means that overalls, hoodies, hats, sunglasses, bags, everything you need for a game, Foco has. And Foco has hooked PHLY up and provided awesome pieces for our sets. Foco always has our back for Philly sports and they have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in our description. For all non-presale items, use a promo code PHLY for 10% off. So I think one player, you know, we haven't really spoken much about Furkan. And I think this was another solid performance from Furkan. Mm -hmm. Nothing super, like, ju jumped off the page. Probably wasn't as good as Thursday night. But he came in, made a three, gave you a little bit of ball handling and a little bit of creation off the pick and roll. And again, wasn't completely exploited defensively. And do I trust that to hold up? No, not really. But when he is playing well, it is just nice to get another ball handler, another mild creator, and another three-point shooter. Um, I know Furkan has had some years where he was up and down. He had that one year where he shot in like the mid-20s inexplic inexplicably. Other than that, he has a, a, a real gravity to him, which I think uh, I think helped. Another solid game from Furkan. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the best way to, to look at it. It's just solid. Uh, Furkan, after having just, you know, barely playing in the early goings, in his minutes against the Raptors and minutes again today, almost at the tonight slip up also, in his minutes today, uh, you the know. The worst is when you do it on you, Twitter because you have time to like sit oh there and proofread gosh, the tweet. Yes. I've done that at least 10 times. And people really over, over read in, like, into the fact you say tonight instead of today instead of, yep. it's just too much. I mean, whatever, whatever, guys. But I think Furkan, this is exactly what you expect from him. Uh, you know, you want him to be a guy that's just helping to fill in where needed um, to be someone that can help contribute, whether it's points or on the defensive side. And I, I think from Furkan, I, my biggest thing is players like Furkan, you don't want them to come out on the court and be noticeable to the point that they're causing turnovers, causing bad plays. Yep. Just be, just blend. I used to say back in, back when I played, um, and even when I was coaching, I would always say like, there are some players that are like blenders. They're out there. You don't really notice them because they're not doing anything too great, but they're also not doing anything bad and detrimental. Furcon can be that guy that's just out there. He's gives you good minutes. He's going to give you aggression. He's going to knock down a shot here and there. And he's just going to fill in the gaps. But so far, the last two games, happy with Furkan's performance. Um, I know MBDBDBF, nice to see you. It's great to see the people that are in, these, in the chat here that are also in the chat for our other shows, too. Uh, great to see you here. You're talking about this team really playing together. And I think Furkan's one of those guys that's a glue guy that just helps you play together, play good team basketball. So, yeah, I think I'm, I'm, I like what Furkan's done so far. Yeah. And I hope it can also continue. I hope this all continues for sure. But definitely some of these bright spots we want to see happening uh, more as they progress into to facing the Wizards, the Celtics, the in-season tournament getting started. So, yeah. Yeah. He's another one like Springer. I think when, you know, Covington gets ramped up a little more and Batum gets back, he might end up getting squeezed from the rotation. Yeah. But it's a long year. There will be injuries. Uh, you just hope that he's ready. Uh, and, and maybe in between his 14th trade request of his Sixers <laughs> career, he can step in and have a couple more big games. 
Yeah. Um, the other thing I really wanted to mention, you know, Maxi started off slow. I think it was four for 12 uh, to start the game. Uh, looked like he was trying to maybe focus on playmaking a bit more, was turning down some opportunities. And then he came down in the fourth quarter. I think he made five of his last six shots, really gave them a spark when they needed to, and let Joel Embiid spend the entire fourth quarter on the bench. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was good. Look, not every game is going to be easy, even yeah. for someone with Tyrese Maxey's skill set and his speed. But for him to collect himself and be able to finish strong, I thought that was a real growing point for him. Yeah, well, I think it's wild. I just realized we've been going this entire time and didn't give like a, some sort of happy birthday shout out to Tyrese Maxey on the show birthday. today he yep. did turn 23 years old which that is what the reason I'm leading with that is that is what I expect from Tyrese Maxey he right. is young I mean we forget sometimes that he's just 23 years old and Tyrese Maxey right now has been the number two guy he's been he's been complimenting Joel Embiid offensively and having started out the way this season he has you're going to see some games where he's going to feel a little bit more pressure or be in his head a little bit more or force some shots. And I thought when you look at the second half compared to the first half specifically, you could see him a, a lot more playing in just his rhythm, playing more fluid, picking his spots. Sometimes, you know, he's got the speed. He can attack and, and, and run past defenders and get to the basket. Or sometimes he's just, you know, swinging the ball, allowing it to keep moving. So I thought he did a better job in the second half of picking his spots and not forcing it and really just allowing the game to come to him because Tyrese Maxey has a lot of little intangibles that help him be such a huge number two, um, that you need him to be that guy that can just come in every day and be consistent. So aside from the performances he's had and the fact that he came into today averaging just over 27 points and then went on to have another 20-plus performance, I want to see Tyrese Maxey continue to be consistent. Yep. That way you know day in and day out what you're going to get from him, whether it's Joel Embiid on the floor or not, you're going to get Tyrese Maxey dropping 22 points today. Drop, you know, whatever it is, he's going to be the consistent cog in the wheel for the Sixers. So, yeah, I thought he did a good job of adjusting, again, like, yep. like I talked about earlier, that after struggling to start – was able to get a flow going in the second half and be a big reason why Joel Embiid didn't have to take the floor in the fourth quarter. Yep. No, just a, a good overall performance, a good team win, way to, uh, an impressive way to pull away from a really tough player in Durant. Again, they might have been out two of their stars. Uh, Booker especially has been playing when he's been healthy, has been playing great basketball. He's a very key cog. Mm -hmm. But to come out here and win 40 games in a row in four pretty different ways, uh, it might not be a murderer's row of competition, like I said, especially with the injuries. But consistency in the NBA is tough, and finding new ways to win every night is tough. Really, really impressed. I am super interested in the fact, you know, they got one more sort of like tune-up game here against the Wizards. And then they've got a stretch that includes Boston, mm. uh, Boston twice, and the Pacers twice in a five-game stretch. I think that's going to be very, very telling. Now, all of those hard games, uh, all four of those games, again, again <clears> Boston's <throat> the best team in the East, might be the best team in the league. And then you've got the Pacers, who at the very least play a very unique style and a very fast style and have a chance to uh, you know push for a playoff spot or at least a play-in spot. All four of those games are home. This is a very home-heavy stretch of the schedule for the, six the Sixers. I think they play 8 of 9 or 9 of 10, something at, at the Wells Fargo Center. Um, so bank a couple wins here, give a couple good showings against the Boston Celtics. And I think the city has a chance to embrace them in a way they probably didn't think was possible just a little bit ago. Yeah, yeah. I, I really... Cannot stand when people talk about an easy team. It's the NBA. This is the these are top these are the top basketball players and some of the best in the world. And to act like any game is easy just because they might not have all their players. While I understand, yes, they're not at 100%. It's still a tough team to beat the Suns, even the Raptors and and Trailblazers. Still, it's it's hard to win games. It's hard to consistently win games in the NBA. And so I think these games are great tune-up games. I'm not an idiot in saying that, like, oh, every team is equal and every team is just as difficult. No, but it's really not ever for any sport, especially the NBA, with how many games you play, you can't discredit the fact that the Sixers have been getting wins, period. Getting wins. That's a lot more than some other teams are doing. Look at the Suns. Injury prone and all. Look at the Suns. So I like the fact that they're 4-1 and one with a game against the Wizards. As you mentioned, another good tune-up opportunity because you should be able to beat the Wizards. Absolutely. And then to go into that stretch, now you will get that test when you have Boston, when you have the Pacers, to really see what you can do and how you stack up against them. Because this, this is... 
in this early part of the season, the time that you're, you're figuring things out, what are your rotations? What are the roles different guys are going to have? Different players, of course, coming in, as you guys are all talking about in the chat, Kenyon, um, and what Ken, KJ is going to do for the Sixers, but also even looking at, you know, how does Nick Batum come back? When does he come back? How does Marcus Morris fit into this? So there's so many moving parts, and that's what I love most about this early part of the season, more than just who you're playing and how you're playing, but how are you slowly progressing as a team? And those, that stretch is going to be such a huge test for the Sixers. If they can bring that yep. consistency, the fight, we see the, the, you know, the efforts there, the you know, guys are consistently able to score, able to help them get results, because that is, the, that is as you're slowly ramping up and the season's going. So, yeah, I agree with you there. And I know we finally, I think, are getting joined by Kyle here, um, <laughs> who's been hustling and bustling down at Wells Fargo to get all the posting He was slacking stuff. the entire time so he wouldn't <laughs> have to talk to us. Listen, I have been not so secretly <laughs> celebrating down here that we are done with media at 4.15, 4.20 p.m. on a Saturday. What a beautiful, beautiful Sixers matinee game today, guys. How are we doing? Doing fantastic. We are great, Kyle. We're feeling good. Like you mentioned, it's nice to be what it helps that we're not only we're done early, but we're done early to be able to talk about a win. Does it get any oh, better yeah. than that? <laughs> no, everybody loves a good Saturday win. And, you know, a bunch of different guys played well. Joel and B gets to sit out the entire fourth quarter because everyone else is playing so well. I mean, doesn't get much better than that. So I guess what was the overall feeling like in the locker room? What did Nick Nurse really focus on after the game? Yeah. I mean, look, yeah, positive all around. I mean, obviously, Kelly Oubre is a revelation. I think you guys have probably talked about him a ton on today's show. Uh, one thing that stood out that I, I posted a clip of this on Twitter, Tyrese Maxey on his birthday puts up a, I believe it was 22-5-10 line, which, you know, pretty good for a guy who didn't play all that well. And I thought it was really noteworthy that Nick, after the game, essentially said, you know, that wasn't good enough from Tyrese. Like, mm. we need more. And like I said, look, he did plenty of great stuff throughout the game, but he's not someone that we want to be passive or play passively. And those stretches that he went through where he's second-guessing himself, he's overpassing a little bit, we don't want to see that. And it was why they tried to manufacture a bunch of possessions and aggression from him in the second half, in the fourth quarter specifically, and uh, it seemed to me, judging by the reaction on Twitter, that the people are loving it, that the Nick Nurse experience right now is getting a two thumbs up from all the fans following the team. Yeah, well, gosh, we would have loved to see Tyrese Maxey get 23 points on his 23rd birthday, but it's fine. He was one point shy. Kyle, I mean, we were watching from TV. We're watching from a distance, miles away from the yeah. citi uh, Lord Citizens Bank Park, from Wells Fargo. <laughs> but for you, still in the Phillies mindset, for you being down there, being around the team, you know, what is what is kind of like the vibe as the Sixers were working through the game today, post game? What are you noticing down at Wells Fargo? No, look, it, it's been awesome so far. I think fans have been pleasantly surprised by this team overall. Uh, Kelly Oubre was talking to us after the game and got asked a question essentially about having a chip on his shoulder and made note of the fact that there are a bunch of guys who have chips on their shoulders, like a lot of one-year contract, expiring contract type guys. And he said it, it's an iron sharpens iron situation where you have so many of these guys who are out to prove something this year. And I think that they're almost the perfect team for Philadelphia in that way, right? Like Philadelphia is a chip on your shoulder type of city, type of market. And so I think that that's other than the winning, which is the biggest thing. I think that's probably why they've been able to take hold with a fan base that did not trust them and didn't really like them very much all summer as they can see how hard these guys are playing. And, you know, when that dovetails with actually winning basketball games, they become an easy team to root for again. Don't, uh, don't feel bad about the Citizens Bank Park thing. I still call it the first union center, and uh -huh. I only cover one team, so having to dance between three different <laughs> arenas, trust me, I feel your pain on that one. <laughs> did, uh, did, I, I know you asked him earlier uh, before the game about um, Ubre and that he is starting and the rotation was going to be largely the same. Did he mention anything? Because I think we're all wondering, all right, when Nick Batum gets back, uh, mm -hmm. if he ends up being moved in the starting lineup, can uh, Ubre keep his spot? Did they mention the, the starting roles at all? Because it's hard to take no, Ubre so out when he's dropping 20 per game every time he starts. 
Yeah, right. Like that's kind of the conundrum that Nurse has, right? I think Kelly's shot creation and ability to score at any given time would honestly be just as valuable with that second unit. And it's part of why I think he might eventually get bumped there. But when a guy is putting up an efficient 20 plus points a game, is bought in on defense and has done every single thing you've asked him to do essentially from day one, I don't know how you can look him dead in the eye and be like, yeah, we're going to move you to the bench, right? Like, I, I think you have right. to ride him at least for the time being. Now, whether that sticks moving forward, certainly I don't think Kelly's going to shoot as well as he has because nobody could do that short of you know, the greatest player of all time, I think. He's been that type of level the last couple games so shooting efficiency-wise. So when that comes down a little bit, I would say you know maybe we expect to see some changes in the rotation. But until then... You know, long live Kelly Oubre, I guess. Yeah, well, also, Kyle, I know in the chat, a lot of people are asking about K.J. Martin, Marcus Morris, Nick Batum. Um, you know, what has Nick Nurse said? Did he, I'm sure that somebody asked about it post-game. Um, what was he saying when asked about any news on any of those guys? Maybe it's more minutes for K.J. Martin or Batum being back. Was there any sort of update that you heard from Nick Nurse? So no big updates. What we were expecting coming into the game is that none of the new guys were going to jump into the rotation. And Nick had said, I, I just don't think they've had enough time yet. They've had the rest of the group here for, you know, over a month or around a month from training camp. And they know all the plays, they know the defense, et cetera. And then Kelly and Tobias both picked up two early fouls. And I think that contributed to Robert Covington jumping into the rotation tonight. So I, I don't think that was really planned. I don't think he is necessarily ahead of the rest of the guys. It was kind of a necessity sort of deal. So I would say Monday against Washington, maybe you start to see all these guys start to get mixed into rotation. And if that doesn't happen, then they might get thrown into the buzzsaw when Boston comes here next week. And I don't know that that'd be a great debut for anybody with the way the Celtics are playing right now, but yeah, I, I think more more of the new guys playing is on the horizon very shortly. Have you gotten any kind of update on on Batum? Um, I know he, you know, there's a lot of people asking, like, is is this another Kirilenko situation? I saw, you know, he po tweeted something where he talked about how happy he was to be going to Philly and all that stuff. Um, but it is a little strange that there's just been no update so far. Yeah, I, I think it's mostly been left alone because it is a personal reasons explanation that's been given. I think people have erred on the side of caution for now. I think if he misses Monday, which we have no indication one way or another yet, I think that's when we need to start asking questions about uh, not that we need to know everything in his personal life, but just kind of if they're in touch with him, if he's reporting back soon, because you know, Derek, he was there when the rest of the guys were introduced mm -hmm. to the yep. media last week. And so seems by all accounts, uh, from what we can tell, that he wants to play here. And I know, I think what everyone is thrown off by is that his wife came out shortly after the trade and referenced a, a post from Drew Holiday's wife about how guys are treated and get traded without really any input or knowing what's going on. And so I think there's maybe a little bit too much reading into that for now. If we don't see him Monday, if he doesn't report back soon, that's when I'd say alarm bells go off, but nothing for the time being, I would say. Okay, okay. Well, Kyle, we gave our, our thoughts on the game. I'm interested to know your initial thoughts looking back on how the Sixers played in today's victory. You know, I, it, it's interesting because normally, or at least the last couple of years, the headline has basically always been Joel Embiid dominates and that's why they won or Joel played bad and that's why they lost. And now these last couple of games have been pretty across the board, comprehensive yeah. type performances. You know, Kelly carries the offense in the first half as Joel and Tyrese are struggling. And then Tobias picks it up at the beginning of the fourth quarter. And Tyrese goes on a scoring run early in the fourth quarter. Joel has a big third. You know, they had some, I thought, some interesting defensive looks that they threw at Kevin Durant in the first half. There's just so many things and so many people contributing to these wins. And I think that's a great sign moving forward because the less they have to rely on Joel to just carry them and prop up the team and the more they can say, hey, we can – manufacture a stop here or manufacture 
a bucket in a tight situation and it doesn't have to be Joel dribbling through three people. It doesn't have to be hero ball. It can be, hey, this guy's back cutting and gets hit with a pass because they know where they're supposed to be and what they're supposed to do. I think they have all the signs right now to me of a well-coached team, a team that's bought into what the head coach is selling. And that honestly might be the most overwhelming takeaway I have five games in is that they are in lockstep with what Nick wants them to do. And it might only get better from there. I, uh, known you for a long time, <laughs> read a lot of your writing, listened to a lot of your podcasts. I'm not sure I've heard you say that very much over the last couple of years. So that is, that is good to hear. I've only got one more comment. It's mostly coming from the peanut gallery in the comment section. This is the second game in a go in a row without a hoodie. We do have <laughs> a, a, a vibe that we have to give off and you're ruining it, Kyle. You're ruining it. How dare well, you? They definitely don't want to see. I'm not going to. No free feet picks, but I have dress shoes on today too. I got dress <laughs> pants. I have a, I have a dinner reservation that I have to make, and unfortunately, blue plate special very early in about 45 minutes. So I came ready to go to a nice meal after the game. And I will. I will. I am intent the fact on making it. I will cop the fact that because I was at pregame, I was at the you know pregame pressers around the the the, the arena. Uh, I did have a button up beforehand. I specifically oh. took that off and put on a hoodie just so I could keep the thing going. So, Kyle, do better. Do better. All right, I can that sounds only good. be I myself. I don't know what to do. Oh, man. <laughs> I think that's probably good. Go enjoy the rest of your day. Enjoy that dinner. See you, Kyle. All right, thank you, guys. And by the way, thank you, Renee, for being such an awesome team player and joining the gang today. Uh, you are not at Citizens Bank Park, but you are helping us out a and great deal. So. Honestly, being better than you at it. So I really appreciate Renee coming on. we got to do this more often. We have a thank true you, professional here. Yeah. Thank you so much, Renee. It's, I'll see you guys later. It's fun to join you guys. See you, Kyle. Enjoy your dinner. I love that dress shoes and a button up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I know somebody was saying about like, it's time to get a script going for a song and that you guys need to have for hoodie boys in the hoodies. Something. Is, is something. that going to be your, your duo well, name? We, we got to get a few more PHLY hoodies. I feel like there's got to oh. be a couple more variations so that that way I don't have to think about dressing for the show at oh. all. Just throw on a different hoodie every day. I'm down. I'm yeah. Down you have for one that. for every day, yeah. especially as, I mean, there's a lot of games and that's yep. a lot of washing the same hoodie or, over and over again. I can't say I had many talents in life, but fashion <laughs> is definitely not one of them. Anyway, I think that's probably a good enough place to cut it off here as we have been going on for quite a while. Renee, thank you very much for coming on. We'll have to have you on, quite frankly, as often as you would like. Uh, I think that went perfectly, uh, and it is great to talk to somebody that's a little less of an asshole than Kyle, so I appreciate it very much. <laughs> Gosh, the bar seemed like it was raised so high. Don't wear, I don't need to wear a hoodie um, and I just don't need to be an asshole. There we yeah. go. There we go. I can do that. But yeah, no, it's it's a fun time to talk about the Sixers uh, as we look in early parts of the season, watching how they started off the year and also just keeping tabs on how they're continuing to progress. So thank you guys for having me on board to hang with the boys in the hoodies because uh, you guys do an awesome job and I'm happy to be able to join the show every once in a while. Sounds good. And thank you to everyone else who joined the chat and watched the show. If you are not already doing so, hit the subscribe button, hit the bell notification so you get alerts on when we go live because we'll be doing this after pretty much every game. Oh, yeah. All right. Take care.